Bookland Radio brings you City Update with Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphreys. Hello, dear listener. It's time for your look into the mysterious world of the stock market with Brooklyn's Radio's financial wizard, Lee Humphreys, who joins us on the phone from his home in Cobham. Hello, Lee. Hello, Ian. Now, Lee, it's fair to say that this year the world's stock markets have seen a lot of ups and downs. Last week it was down, but in contrast, this week we've seen some strong performance, haven't we? Uh, We have indeed, Ian. Markets appear to have found the president's stash of hydroxychloroquine, and uh, much like Trump himself, they're feeling no negative effects. The FTSE 100, for instance, rose 4.3% on Monday, uh, erasing all the losses from last week and some. So, Lee, what's going on? What was the cause of that? Well, um, there's been an overall improvement in things like the oil price, uh, Ian, which has certainly helped companies such as BP and Royal Dutch Shell. Recall this time last month we were talking about the May crude contract trading at a negative $37. Well, as we speak now, um, it's around $32 a barrel. That's a rise of around $70 in a month. But the move in the markets on Monday was, in particular, driven by two things. Uh, the House of Representatives in the U.S. passing a second $3 trillion stimulus bill on Friday night called the HEROES Act, providing, among other things, uh, another $1,200 check for every man, woman, and get this child in the country, uh, assuming they earn less than $75,000. That's uh, approximately £60,000 in our money. And secondly, uh, on reports uh, from a company called Moderna that they were uh, well on their way to discovering the elusive vaccine, which, uh, if you'll excuse the pun, Ian, provided a real shot in the arm for the markets. Not entirely sure I can excuse that shot in the arm pun, but uh, being on the way to producing a vaccine is not exactly the same as actually producing one, is it? Because they haven't got one yet, have they? Uh, No, they don't. Uh, And much like the uh, reports of Mark Twain's death, it seems that the uh, efficacy had been greatly uh, exaggerated. Uh, But by and large, um, and despite this little setback, uh, equity markets around the world have held on to their enormous gains seen on Monday. Yeah, and we've said this before, Lee, this flies in the face of the economic realities, doesn't it? Unemployment everywhere going through the roof, you know, it doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, very much so, Ian. Um, this week actually was uh, re- really shown what a predicament the UK is in right now. Unemployment figures came out on Tuesday showing the biggest monthly increase since records began in 1971 at 5.8%. The rate stands at the highest level in 24 years and the pain, very sadly, has just begun as many people who still currently employed are, in all probability, merely being sheltered by the furlough scheme. Now, uh, Chancellor Sunak obviously breaking the bad news gently and slowly to us, but he talked of permanent scarring of the economy and the government won't be able to protect every job and every business. Well, no, and uh, of course they won't be able to do that. The lockdown appears really uh, to many to be going on too long right now and the consequences are really there for all to see. The unemployment data this week saw the loss of 857,000 jobs in a month. And this, incredibly, was as a result of just seven days of the lockdown. The overall unemployment figure is likely uh, to move towards 10% by the end of June, uh, accounting for roughly 3.5 million workers in the UK. What will happen to the rate thereafter will be the success, or otherwise, of two things. Schools reopening 
and allowing parents to go back to work, assuming uh, those jobs still exist. And secondly, the speed in which government can open up the rest of the economy. If the government doesn't, the, the permanent scarring the uh, Chancellor uh, talked about on Tuesday will increasingly look like a self-inflicted wound. Mm. And uh, we've had some inflation data in the UK this week, haven't we? Uh, yes, um, that was for April and it uh, disappointed uh, too, showing us that uh, overall prices have increased by less than 1% over the past year. Energy and fuel were the two main drags which combined saw a fall in prices of around 9%. One of the interesting things here in actually is that the people who compile the inflation data which is known as the consumer price index or the CPI literally go out and buy each month a basket of goods and compare those uh, prices to the previous one. In April however they were only able to get 77% of the goods that comprise the basket due to the restrictions uh, on some shops opening. Um, this would indicate that the fall in prices would have been even greater had the compilers of the survey been able to get their hands on everything. Now, uh, to me and possibly our listeners, um, on the face of it, falling prices doesn't seem to be such a bad thing. Well, I mean, yes, I mean, it, it often is a, uh, a very good thing. Uh, technological innovation, for instance, often brings about the fall in prices of certain products. And one of the reasons why, on the whole, we feel wealthier. However, um, the fear here is that deflation might be around the corner, a sustained period of prices falling across the board, and not because of innovation, but by lack of demand. The effect is that if I were thinking about uh, buying a, a new TV or a car, um, and I believe that that might be cheaper next month, then I'm likely to hold off um, for now in buying it. Combined with uh, high unemployment, this can quickly turn into a vicious cycle. So uh, uh, it increases uh, also the real value of your debt. Not great news if you have a mortgage, for instance. Yeah, bad news too for governments which have debt and they borrowed in order to spend their way out of a lockdown, say. Uh, yeah, I mean, calamitous might be the word, Ian, for, for governments. Uh, I think uh, this is one of the things that will be at the forefront of the Bank of England's mind right now. So, you know, the experts have had their say. Well, what do you think? Have we reached the tipping point in our economy? Um, personally, I would say we're quite a bit beyond that point, despite what the stock markets around the world might be indicating. In the UK, uh, we'll have gone from an unemployment rate of under 4% and wage growth of over 3% to potentially an unemployment rate of over 10% and no wage growth in just four months. And it won't stop there. So the Bank of England have already cut interest rates uh, effectively back to zero, as near as, as, near as anything. Uh, there's nothing much more they can do, I guess. Um, well, also you might think, but there's uh, already talk of the Bank of England at its next meeting in June increasing the size of its uh, quantitative easing or QE program, uh, the target of which actually was only set back in March uh, this year by a further £100 billion as a means to keep borrowing as cheap as possible for businesses. However, it's an idea that has been splashed across uh, most of the uh, business pages this week that has caught the attention of uh, most in the city that have uh, negative interest rates. Now, presumably that means I won't, I won't be getting paid for taking out a loan, will I? <laughs> that would be uh, nice, wouldn't it? But uh, uh, they're not going to give the benefits to the likes of uh, you and me in, I don't think. Uh, in fact, there's not much in this for anyone that I can see particularly. So what are they going to do? 
Um, well, uh, the, the thinking behind it uh, is to, disinvent, uh, to disincentivize high street banks like you know, Barclays and HSBC from putting the money we give them on deposit themselves instead of lending it out. Banks traditionally put part of the money uh, into their own savings account and get a paid a small amount of interest uh, for it by the Bank of England. Uh, the policy of negative interest rates will impact these banks by essentially charging them uh, a small rate of interest in order to do so. It's, a, it's essentially a tax on the banks. Right. <clears throat> Sounds a reasonable idea. Does it work in practice? Has anyone ever done this? Well, um, it's, it's not a new idea to some, but certainly it hasn't been done up until now in the Bank of England's 326 glorious year history. The, uh, the European Central Bank, or the ECB, initiated this policy shortly after the financial crash, actually, of 2008, in order to sort of free up lending uh, in the banks. Uh, up until last weekend, really, uh, the top brass of the Bank of England was seemingly adamant it was a non-starter. I guess given the scale of the problems we've been uh, hearing about this week, um, they're now starting to realise that this is an inferno they can't put out with traditional tools, though. So um, probably as a result of what we've been uh, hearing about unexpectedly, uh, the chief economist at the Bank of England, a guy called Andy Haldane, was quoted in the Sunday Telegraph last weekend uh, saying that it was under consideration and they were prepared to think the unthinkable. Yeah, now you mentioned the European Central Bank initiated a similar negative interest rates policy after the financial crash. Did, did that work? Um, more people from the Bank of England seem to be rubbing their chins and nodding approvingly now uh, after their comments by Haldane. But it's, um, it's fair to say overall the jury is out on the policy and it really depends on who you ask. Detractors um, might well point to Japan uh, who have uh, made use of uh, the policy since the 1990s and include that their economy has barely grown since then. It certainly has been blamed in Japan for propping up companies that are bust by providing cheap access to capital from banks who are themselves essentially bankrupt. So, are they going to go through with it? What do you reckon? Um, I think desperate times call for desperate measures in, and that's what we have right now. We saw yesterday, actually, in the US uh, that 39 million people had been laid off in the last nine weeks. In the height of the 1930s depression, that figure only reached 37 million people. That's extraordinary, isn't it? 39 million people unemployed. And I saw her on the, on the TV news last night, for, you know, for reference, that 39 million is greater than the entire population of Canada and far greater than the working population of Britain. It's a huge figure. You know, what, what, what I can say is I, I think um, that markets have already made up their mind uh, that it will, will happen, uh, the policy of uh, negative interest rates in the UK, by pointing to three things. Firstly, the weakness in sterling. Secondly, the weakness in the banks relative to the rest of the market. Both uh, react uh, poorly, actually, to the prospect of lower interest rates. And finally, for the first time ever on Wednesday, that the UK government was able to sell 3.8 billion pounds of bonds, known as gilts, at a negative interest rate. One of these signs alone would make us sit up and wonder. All three suggest it's a done deal and the bank will pursue the negative interest rate policy when it meets again in June. Well, thank you very much, Lee. Highly technical this week, but very informative. Thank you so much. See you next week. Cheers, Ian. See you next week. Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphreys brought you City Update on Brooklyn's Radio.